The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Why do you speak to the crowd in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not understand or listen. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them which says, You shall indeed hear but not understand, you shall indeed look but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their eyes, they have ears, they have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and blessed your ears because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The Gospel of the Lord. When you look at, and I don't know if you want to call it modern art, maybe some people would call it post-modern art, and three of the most famous artists, you know, you look at uh, Pablo Picasso, or actually I would even suggest even more so than Picasso, Jean Miro, which I look at those little drawings which look like any six-year-old could do, uh, but yet none of the six-year-olds I know get six to eight million dollars for a painting. Or if you look at old Picasso and uh, in Spain, if you ever go to Madrid, there is in the, the Guernica, his, one of his probably most famous, uh, which is very lengthy. It's almost probably the length of four of our Stations of the Cross. And uh, it's just a bizarre picture. And you have to sort of sit and think for a while, what was he trying to say? Uh, you know, one of my favorites is Jackson Pollock, who does the drippings. Uh, the New York Times, when they reviewed his artwork in 1954, gave him the nickname Jack the Dripper, which I thought that was a, a quaint little cute thing. Or another one of my favorites is Mark Rothko, and Mark Rothko just has three strokes across a, a white canvas. Uh, and that's it. And what do you do? Uh, if you go to Houston, Texas, they have the Rothko Chapel. And I find it one of the most peaceful and just prayerful places because it's just it's this brownish purple, very large brownish purple paintings all around you. And that's it. And you just sit there and it's almost zenish in a certain way. But what were they trying to say? And I think that's complicated for people, and some people just can't stand modern art because it's not clear. And I think sometimes, and I must admit, I'm sometimes like that, I like to be able to look at something and tell it's a dog or look at something and tell what's going on. What is the action? 
But when you're looking at something postmodern like that, it's very difficult to say, well, how am I supposed to feel? Well, feel wherever you want to. I mean, and the thing is, for many of these, now obviously not so much for Picasso because he had already moved into this, but certainly for Miro, uh, to an extent, uh, uh, to uh, Jackson Pollock and, um, and uh, Mark Rothko, two things, two events in the 20th century really had a great impact on them. And that was the Second World War and the incredible loss of life in the tens of millions. And secondly, the Holocaust. Where, how could a good God allow the Holocaust? And these events for not just artists in the visual art, but artists who were writers, uh, film directors, a lot of different people, this had such a profound influence they began to see that nothing meant anything anymore. A complete loss of trust or belief in anything. And so what does Jackson Pollock look like? It can look anything you want because it doesn't matter. They had such a, this, the Holocaust, the nuclear age, all of these things, I guess I could say three events, the nuclear age or that, it had such a profound impact on them. They, they really felt you can be whatever you want because we're all going to be dead tomorrow. They lived in such fear in a certain sense that we've already seen what we can do in the atomic age. We may not make it much longer. Well, in some ways, I think, you know, for many Christians, it's very hard. What does Jesus say? Well, love thy neighbor. And yet that seems very difficult to interpret. Well, what exactly did you mean? And despite the fact he gives us the parable of the Good Samaritan, well, but did you mean that? I mean, it just becomes, we make it far more complex than he does it. And we choose, uh, like that prophecy of Isaiah, to keep our eyes closed and our ears stocked up so that we don't have to change our lives. It's so difficult to convert and live like Jesus it's just easier to say, well, I don't really get it, and walk away. It's not as complex. It's not complex. It, I don't think it's that hard to understand. The hard part of being a Christian is putting it into practice. I know what I'm supposed to do. It's the doing it that I think can make us all uh, stumble. But today I think we're encouraged by this particular gospel of Matthew to really look at something and see it from different perspectives and see what maybe it does offer us. Maybe those little drippings offer us more than we might think and maybe just sort of the total absence of action in a Mark Rothko allows us to focus ourselves on that infinity which is God. Maybe it just relaxes us. But we are certainly called to reflect on the Word of God and how it influences our life.